All right, everybody. Out of the bonus edition of the breakdown, because we talk so long about Vernon Adams Jr. because we get very excited about these kind of things. Uh, because we typically, DC, only get like one big quarterback trade in season every year. So that was, uh, that was a fun one to throw at everybody. But that was not where Montreal was done. Uh, when I hopped on the Zoom this week with Danny Machocha, my first question to him was, hey, thanks for the time. Seems like you've been busy. Uh, have you been on the phone a lot <laughs> as of late? And with the VA trade, he literally said, we were in prior communication with BC the past couple of weeks. VA hadn't really told me that he was interested in, in making a big move or anything. And But he would, it was funny how Machocha kind of talked about it. He said, VA would come into my office daily and we would just kind of contemplate what laid ahead. And I was like, Huh, that's an interesting kind of framing of that where VA is just like, what do I want to do? Where do I want to go? Where do I want to be? And then he said, when the injuries happen in BC, he was like, okay, you can call them and see what's going to happen here. So Machocha ends up making that move. But the Edmonton uh, stuff, you had a very strong opinion on Twitter about this that uh, that might have been a steal. I I just envisioned Machocha sitting there polishing his gun, just waiting to pull it on some because he knows it. Did he... Like, did he take a gun to that meeting with Chris Jones and go, give me, give me, and just take out sacks of dollars and a young cornerback? I don't understand. For folks who didn't see it, Edmonton gets Avery Ellis and a draft pick, defensive end Avery Ellis and a draft pick. They give up defensive end Thomas Costigan and cornerback Nafiz Lyon. And my initial reaction was, I, I don't understand what's happening here. So I dive into the numbers a little bit. And over the past two seasons, Costigan and Ellis both play in the same spot, both producing at about the same rate, be it quarterback pressures, sacks, holding penalties drawn, everything. So if you told me it was Ellis for Costigan, Ellis for Costigan plus a draft pick, I would get it. I maybe want a guy who fits your fits your style a little better. To throw in the fees line, who is a young corner, I don't understand. The, I, I have a, I have a hypothesis that we can get to in a sec, but I don't understand what this guy plays the short side. He's been playing mostly the wide side in this Edmonton system. Uh, by my count, completion rate against about fifty five percent. He covers dudes, and I don't I don't get why you toss that guy into a trade. I don't yeah. understand at all. It, when Edmonton, this is what jumped out to me was again. I asked my church about it, and he said essentially what you said, like Costigan for Ellis was kind of like a one for one. Like we were interested in, in Costigan and we thought that he added some value there for us. And it was a good fit for Edmonton on the other side. He said, I have a good relationship with those guys in Edmonton. So apparently he wasn't polishing the gun, which, you know, take that at your word. <laughs> uh, but, but he said that, yeah, it, that one made a lot of sense for us. And then Nafis, he, he, his eyes kind of lit up to your point. And he's like, I think we got a really good player. I think he had some special teams flexibility. I think we can use him in a variety of different positions. And keep in mind, like, when Noel Thorpe was in Edmonton as the defensive coordinator, he was working with both of those guys. And now he's in Montreal working with Machocha, which obviously there was, speaking of Machocha polishing the gun, what felt like a hostile takeover of the Alouettes organization this season with Noel Thorpe being brought in as the defensive coordinator. And so I looked at this when I was talking to him about it. And I'm like, man, like I got the sense that he feels as though he really got one past Edmonton. And I'm with you. I don't really understand why Lyon, who was one of the only players that was making consistently positive plays on that defense when they were struggling at the end of last year, why he was involved in this, because his value, I think, is significantly better than a third-round pick. But at the same time, it's kind of a funny conversation about the actual value of CFL draft picks, because 
if we were actually doing a valuation of what a quarterback like Vernon Adams Jr., if he plays at a high level, is, that's multiple years of first-round picks. But in the CFL, every time we move an Arbuckle or a VA or whatever, we're just like, I don't know, first-round pick. Sure, one of them. Okay, sweet. Yeah. And, and it's just funny that you see the value of the trade picks going back the other direction that don't really equal out. But for Lyon, like – he, to me, felt like one of the up-and-coming players, not just in the league, but in Edmonton specifically, where they need yep. up-and-coming players. And I, I want to hear your hypoth- hypothesis right now because I don't understand what Chris Jones is doing, specifically with his defensive backfield. Like, I don't un- – there's been so much movement. There were guys that came in from Toronto just because he knew them. There's veterans that have come in from Saskatchewan in free agency because he knows them. And is it just that – if you're not his guy or he doesn't have a previous relationship that no matter how quality of a player you appear to be to us on the outside, that you might just not be a fit for what he wants because the defensive backfield, I haven't tracked this, but it feels like it from the transactions page, it feels like he moves and shakes those back five more than any other position on his football team. Uh this, this is my hypothesis. I looked at the back six when, when Winnipeg went to Edmonton. The back six was Sonier, Ganey, Hutter, Dakud, uh, Raphael Leonard, Jawan Taylor. Okay, Scott Hutter, your safety. Ed Ganey is a veteran. The other four guys are all six foot two. Okay. And I, I went, ooh, he's, the Chris Jones guys are big and fast. And the one thing that, that the fees line will never be is tall, right? He's 5'10. But, we, you and I could go back and forth putting out examples of it, it doesn't matter in this league that you're not six foot two, right? I, I watch every week as uh, Dietrich Nichols just obliterates guys. That guy's five foot nine. Yeah. It just doesn't matter. And I wonder if my hypothesis is he's not six foot two, so he's not a Jones guy. Hmm. But one, if you're Montreal and you blitz more than anybody else, a guy who will glue on to a, to a receiver. Hmm. Just, just bring him right in. Just, by, just I'll put the gun away and I'll, I'll bring up the hug and I'll welcome him in the fees line. I, Montreal, to, like I haven't, I've been the biggest fan of Montreal and what they do, but this move that that they managed to squeeze this one out. Congratulations to Machocha because that is a that's a big W in my case. And uh, when you look at that pack six in Montreal now, you go, okay, when healthy, mm-hmm. I really like where you're going with that. Talked to a couple of different people this week ahead of the Montreal game of like, what is Northorp doing with that defense? And they said when he came in, it was a lot of base stuff because he was getting people up to speed. More and more, it seems as though they are finding their identity, which is him blitzing a bunch and playing a bunch of man coverage. So exactly, if if Lion is the guy, just like to give people the idea of why this, why this is a fit, like if he's somebody who you say is is all over receivers that can cover by himself and they don't have to worry that much about it, it doesn't matter how tall he is. And to your point about height, I wanted to mention like, I have great, and even though he's you know a veteran along in the tooth and all the rest, I have great respect for Delvin Bro, and you're not seeing a ton of targets going his way. But he's a good example of even in his time in Hamilton, if targets aren't going your way, sometimes like it doesn't really matter your height. It, that was coverage skills, like that's different. And Lion has coverage skills regardless of what his length or his height is. So, yeah, I don't disagree with you. It could just be a body type mold that they're trying to craft in Edmonton at all of those other positions. Yeah, that's that's the only thing I could think of. And now you add him into Najee Murray and and whoever's healthy. I know Rodney Randall's now a Hamilton Tiger cat, but Mike right. Jones at that far side corner. They ran Kenneth Thurden in there as a young guy, but now if your boundary corner is Nafi's line, we go, 
hmm, okay, well, uh, we're going to work at this. I, he popped to me in the two games against the Riders last season. I went, who is this 24? Yeah. Because he was glued on Shaq Evans, which is no small feat, and especially for a young cat. So uh, congrats to Montreal. The East champions coming. <laughs> Montreal uh, Alouettes. One last thing that I wanted to sneak in here before we get out, DT, was that I I did an article on CFL.ca about kind of like receivers that intrigued me going into uh, Labor Day weekend. And the one that, that jumped out more than any other for me, and the reason why I kind of had the idea for the article was Reggie Begleton. And I tweeted about this too. Uh, and I don't know if people had a chance to be able to see it, but it was basically like, I've seen Reggie Begleton catching a ton of bubble screens this year like more than ever before so i looked up the numbers of like how much is he actually catching behind the line of scrimmage compared to previous years and i was glad that my eye wasn't lying to me when i went back and looked at it because it was like oh wow look at that yeah he is doing a ton of stuff behind the line of scrimmage in a way that i just didn't anticipate going into this year because i thought he would be a deep thread over the middle possession receiver Mm -hmm. whatever you want uh but when i actually looked at the numbers on this it was Reggie Begleton passes attempted to him behind the line of scrimmage. In 2019, it was 13%. Last year, in very limited duty coming back from the NFL, it was 7%. This year, it's almost a quarter of his passes, 24.2%. His average depth of target, we talked about it with VA and the average being in around like 9, 10 yards. His average depth of target in June and July was 9.7. In August, it was 6.7. So he's dropped three full yards off of his average depth of target in a single month at the same time as they transition from Bo Levi Mitchell to Jake Mayer. And I don't know if those two dots are directly connected, but I do see this as kind of an intriguing use where it's like Kamar Jordan is struggling a little bit with the hands. And now you got Reggie Begleton being like a swing screen guy behind the line of scrimmage. And I just keep thinking, where is the vertical passing threat going to be for the Calgary Stampeders going into Labor Day against Edmonton? Uh, Yeah, it's got to be Sean Bain and Malik Henry right there. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, Bagleton's the most shocking player in the league to me this year. Well, okay. Kamar Jordan is, but Reggie Bagleton is right there as well. It's been, uh, ho- hopefully they, they can harness that as they hope to try to chase down the bombers. There you go. Bonus episode of the breakdown for you, everybody. Thanks to DT for hanging around for an extra couple of minutes. Follow him on Twitter at DT on OB. I'm at TSN underscore Marsh, and we will talk to you next week.